together in just a few moments. If you were following along with our daily Bible reading schedule, you were just here a day or two ago. Acts chapter 17, it is this territory of Paul's second missionary journey. And I would like to spend some time this evening, if you're a Christian, with some of our brothers and sisters. They lived a long time ago. Two thousand years ago and that's that's hard for us to wrap our minds around right maybe you grew up going to family reunions and you watched this natural phenomenon that all families go through that when you first started being taken to these family reunions you had great uncles and great aunts and there were grandparents maybe great grandparents but as time went along you you didn't see those same people as they went the way of all the earth and there were there there were new faces that started coming to those reunions but those oldest faces are are just a memory it is remarkable to me that As we talk about these people, these very ordinary people from Acts 17, we can talk about them as brothers and sisters. And we don't know what their faces look like. We don't know what they did for a living. We don't know exactly what they were wearing or what the weather was like on a particular day that we'll read about in Acts 17. But we do know the most important thing about them. That's what I would like to dig in with you this evening. How do you want to be remembered? That's a can be a humbling sort of question, the sort of question that makes you pause and hopefully think a little. How do I want to be remembered? If there was a word or a a collection of words in a phrase that I would love people to attach to me when they think of me years later. We know how many that we work with and go to school with and live around and interact with would would answer that question. Many would say, I... I want to be reminded or be remembered as beautiful, as talented, as smart, witty, hardworking. All of those in one way or another maybe have their place. But I'd like to point your attention to a a much more important word than that. Regardless of how beautiful you are in your own eyes or the eyes of the people in this room or the eyes of the people in society, regardless of how wise people would view you as or industrious or funny, whatever it is, if this word can't be attached to you this evening, at least up to this point, then praise God He has given you such a beautiful day and an opportunity like this to think about what really 
matters most of all. We're jumping right into the middle of an epic journey that you can read about all throughout this section of the book of Acts. We have, of course, the Apostle Paul and Silas. They started way down here in Jerusalem, and they made their way through Palestine and Syria, Cilicia, Cappadocia, Galatia, a long ways away through Asia, all the way over here to the city of Berea. It's hard for us to maybe wrap our minds around just how far that is. That's 1,500 miles. If you hopped in a car this evening and headed west for 1,500 miles, you'd get somewhere in the neighborhood of Salt Lake City, Utah. But these people weren't driving on interstate, 65, 70, 75 miles per hour. You can imagine making this 1,500-mile journey from Jerusalem through what we know today as, as Turkey and into Greece. And you can see really as far away from home as they get is this city of Berea. It's much It's closer to a much more well-known city named Thessalonica. We've got a couple of letters in our New Testaments written to the church that was there in Thessalonica. But this is how that church started. If your Bible is open there to Acts 17 in verse 1, we're told by Luke... Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a a synagogue of the Jews, where the Jews would gather together, they would read the Scriptures, they would hear the Scriptures expounded upon. Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, over the course of three weekends, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ, is the Messiah, the Lord's anointed one. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous. And taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men have turned the world upside down. They've come here also. Jason has received them. And they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night. Just a little west. To Berea. 
And when they arrived, as they had done in Thessalonica, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews, how would you like to be remembered? Here's how these Jews are remembered. These Jews were more noble. And that's a word that can carry a variety of different connotations for us in, in English. In the language that Luke is using, it really means excellent, admirable, honorable. These, these people were on the right track. These people, we don't know a thing about what they looked like, what they did for a living, how they dressed, what sort of houses they, they, they lived in. We know very little about their family tree or the great goals that they had for the rest of their lives. But we do know in a very important sense, they were excellent, admirable, honorable, or noble, not because of their titles or their estates or their pedigree or their wealth, no. Verse 11 tells us these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. How would you like to be remembered? How would we like to be remembered? I tell you, it would be hard to improve on this description. Would you spend the next few minutes just thinking with me, okay, if I want to learn like a Berean, if I want to be like these brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't know exactly what they looked like, but I do know they, they came to be, many of them, brethren, part of the household of God, the same household that you and I are a part of. How can I do that? What do those footsteps look like? How practically can I be like that. Would you keep your marker there? In Acts chapter 17, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's just think in a couple of basic bullet point practical sorts of terms. What's it going to look like to be, what's it going to take to be noble in the sight of our creator like those people? Could I suggest to you that if I'm going to learn like a Berean, I need, number one, to interact with teaching and preaching with an open Bible. Those Bereans examined the Scriptures. If I'm reading correctly what Luke is describing and how he's describing it, they examined the Scriptures even as they are hearing this man Paul from a really long ways away. He's come into our neighborhood. He's come to, to our synagogue and he's saying some things that I've, 
I've never heard before. And what does it prompt them to do? Why does their creator describe them as noble, admirable, honorable, excellent? Because there's a difference between watching and examining. There's a difference between listening or hearing and examining. There's a difference between being kindly, quietly respectful while someone else is doing something up front in front of everybody else talking about maybe something important, maybe not so important, and examining the Scriptures. What, what Scriptures is Luke talking about? We understand the New Testament is is being lived at this point. It is what we would refer to as the the Old Testament Scriptures. In fact, the very thing that the Apostle Paul would describe, where our Bibles are open there, very end of 2 Timothy 3, very beginning of 2 Timothy 4, verse 16, all Scripture, the things that these people were examining, Why is it worth you examining and me examining? Well, because it's breathed out by God. Irregardless of who's reading it, who's talking about it, when we interact with the Scriptures, when we hear the Scriptures and are weighing, examining the Scriptures, we are interacting with the Word of God. Of God. I need that reminder every once in a while. I'm guessing you do too. It is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And the very next verse or two tells us why the Apostle Paul was compelled to travel the equivalent of. New Albany, Indiana, to Salt Lake City, Utah, in order to stand in a synagogue and talk about these scriptures. I charge you, he tells Timothy of the next generation, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Preach these scriptures. These scriptures need to be heard. They they need to be heralded. They need to be proclaimed. You, Timothy, have to be ready in season and out of season. You've got to give the full message of these scriptures because people are all over the map in their relationship with God. Sometimes we need to be reproved. Sometimes we need to be rebuked. Sometimes we need to be exhorted. But Timothy, you do that with complete patience and teaching. These Bereans were examining the scriptures. Could I just nudge you a little this evening? If you want to be like them, if you want to get as much as possible out of the the reading, the preaching, the teaching of God's Word, don't just watch, don't just listen, examine, interact with an open Bible. And number two, don't 
close the book on teaching and preaching, leaving it in an auditorium or a, a classroom. These Bereans were examining the scriptures we will see, not just within the walls of that synagogue, but beyond. Because there isn't anything magical or mystical, ethereal about hearing this. Actually, just having the, the eardrums of my ears vibrating as somebody is reading or, or, or teaching or preaching from these scriptures. No, there's a difference between hearing and examining. Listening and the Bible word that we so often run across is meditating on what we've heard. You listen with me in Psalm 119 verse 9, actually words of the, the, the song that we just sang together. How can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? Okay, if I... If I want my heart to be pure, I have to be on guard. And I have to be on guard according to God's word. Well, how, how can I get to the point where I'm doing that? With my whole heart, I, I seek you. That sounds like I'm on the right track. The, the prayer of my heart is, let me not wander from your commandments. How, how can I get in on that? How can I practice that? Verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart. Now you know just as surely as I do that that doesn't happen just by hearing. Yesterday, Shelly asked me, there's a big bin that she had unpacked some stuff and repacked some stuff as summer turns to fall. And, and she had said, I had just come in from mowing. And she said, hey, before you start to get cleaned up, could you take that bin down to the basement? Sure, I said. I heard. I even acknowledged. I, I had a vague awareness of what she was asking me to do. And the next time I walked by it, I just walked right by it. Thankfully, I caught myself two or three minutes later before she had to remind me. But you know just as surely as I know that there's, there's a very fundamental, pivotal, important difference between hearing and storing something in my heart. How, how can I get to the point where I'm storing up God's word in my heart that I might not sin against you? Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. Verse 15, here's that word that I'd really encourage you to think about this evening. I will meditate. And I, I don't want you to hear that word from the standpoint of the way that it is often used today, especially in connection with Eastern religions that, okay, I'm going to sit down on the ground and I'm going to crisscross my legs and I'm going to try and empty my mind. That's not what God's word is describing as meditating. It is filling my mind. Will we treat what we have heard today like a hot pocket or a roast? 
What I mean by that, where, where do you put Hot Pockets? You throw Hot Pockets in, in the microwave. You may not even know what I'm talking about by Hot If you don't, you're not missing anything, I assure you. But you don't, you don't throw a Hot Pocket in a crock pot or slow cooker. Throw it in the microwave. It's done real quick. You get through it real quick. You scarf it down real quick. You, you move on. Not really good for you. Not going to sustain you very long. But hey, you got it done. This word that is all over Psalm 119, that's, that's like a crock pot. The sort of thing that all sorts of things were put in the crock pot of my heart and your heart throughout the day. Our, our songs, our good prayers, our time together in God's Word, what we've celebrated and remembered. Could I encourage you not to treat that like some microwavable junk food that you checked off? Carry it with you. Put it in your heart. And let it cook slowly. Not just this evening, but tomorrow and Tuesday. That's how I delight in his statutes. That's how I, I don't forget his word. Make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate. Could I encourage you? Meditate on his wondrous works this week. Have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that like a slow cooker just thinks about how beautiful heaven must be. Oh, how I love Jesus. Unto thee, O oh Lord, do I lift up my soul. Our God, he is alive. That's, that's how we get to this point where we say with the, the psalmist, even when we wake up, we're meditating on who God is and on His promises. That, that's how the mother of the Lord got on the path that defined her life. She heard things that she didn't really understand and she wasn't sure how in the world it was all going to come to be, but she believed this was from God. And so she treasured it in her heart, pondering them. Slowly turning them over. Allow the Scriptures to shape you every day. As a way of life. That's what we're talking about. Taking Jesus' word seriously in Matthew 4 and verse 4. That I'm going to need more than bread alone this week to live the life God would have me to live. I need every word that comes from God's mouth. I, I, I want to be like that good soil that comes in contact with the living word of God. And I, I want you to notice... In order to be that good soil, in order to be noble and excellent, admirable, like those Bereans, I, I've got to hear it. I've got to accept it. And then I've got to allow it to start working on my life. Let's talk about it. For our last few minutes, how that happens. We, we heard the posture of heart of these people. 
How do you want to be remembered? You realize there are, if you're a member of our church family, there are people in this room, if they outlive you, who will remember you in a variety of ways, a variety of contexts. One of them clearly is how you were, how you lived, how you interacted, how you worshipped in this room. Will they remember me as someone who was eager, who really believed because I, I tasted and saw that the Lord's day is the best day of the week because I'm with the best people of the week because those people are following the best Savior of the week. We're singing the best songs of the week. We're reading the best book of the week. We, this is life the way that it was meant to be. These people, when they came together, they came together eagerly. How will the people, young and old, throughout this room remember me and the, the posture of my heart? Well, a, a lot of that's going to revolve around what I do before I get here. Open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. If I want to be noble in the sight of my Creator, if I want to be eager like these people were in approaching the Scriptures, then a lot of that is going to depend upon how I prepare myself before that encounter happens. We're reading words of Jesus in Luke chapter 8 and verse 16 where Jesus says, verse 16, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. How many people have prepared in a variety of different ways so that we throughout the day could walk into this room the light right there on a lampstand. People serving up front and behind the scenes in, in a way. I, I want to give God everything I have to give. I, I want to be honorable. I want to be excellent in, in the way that I help others approach the throne of grace. I, I, I want to be noble and I want to help other people be noble. So we're going to put this light on a stand. Throughout the day, so that everybody can see. Nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. But you know, the time comes when somebody can have put every ounce, every drop of their heart and soul into what they're about to teach, what they're about to preach, how they're about to lead us in song. That They can have thought for days about what they're going to pray and how awesome it is to lead people in the worship of God. But it's going to be up to me and it's going to be up to you how we hear. Take care. I want you to notice, not that you hear, not that you are within earshot, but 
how you hear. To the one who has more will be given him from the one who has not. Even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Could I give you maybe something, I I know something that has been overlooked at times in my life. Leaning on Ephesians 6, it is a a wonderful thing to gather together with brothers and sisters and, and to realize that, okay, I have been given the shield of faith. There is this helmet of salvation. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Anything else I can do to prepare I don't know about Roger, but there have been way too many sermons that I've preached where it went from study to idea to seeing the need to working on that text, working on the outline, working on what it is that I'm, I'm going to preach and it gets all polished and cut and contorted in various ways and it finally reaches its, its, its final product and there's a PowerPoint that goes, it may not be as colorful as Roger's, but there's a PowerPoint ready to go and I mean, I'm here on time, everything's ready to go, but I haven't prayed about what I'm about to preach. I don't know about you, but there there have been far too many assemblies that I've been a part of where I mean, everybody's ready to go, everybody's dressed, everybody's on time, we're here, we're ready to go, we got a few minutes to spare, and we're about to have an encounter with the living God of the universe. We haven't prayed about it. Could I encourage you, before you walk in this room again, You want to really prepare yourself the way God is is not only inviting us, but showing us what to do. Pray. Don't just carry the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the, 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 the sword of the Spirit. Pray at all times with all prayer and supplication. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for those who are opening their mouths that they might do so boldly and and proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Pray for yourself as a hearer. And as you pray, as you prepare, open with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Be confident that you can discover, study, and understand God-revealed truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 12 of that chapter, Paul is uncovering several things that need some serious attention among the saints in Corinth. We read in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 12, what I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I I follow Cephas, or I I follow Christ. And so he's going to spend significant time adjusting the focal point here. In chapter 2 and verse 3, he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, because what's the goal? The goal is that you would have faith. 
that your children and your grandchildren would grow up to have faith. But faith in the right person. That your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. In chapter 3 and verse 5. Well, how should we look at these people in Corinth who had come and, and shared a variety of things? Well, verse 5, they're servants. Now, God used them in powerful ways. You came to believe through these servants. But listen, they're, they're just planters. Just waterers. And it's up to you how you hear, what, what sort of heart you bring to that encounter. But be confident. God can make His Word grow in your heart. You see that? God can cause new growth in your heart. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, Paul goes so far as to say, when you read, you saints in Ephesus, when you read this letter, you can perceive. You can understand. You can begin to see more clearly than ever before my insight into the mystery of Christ. What was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, you can see more than Abraham saw, more than David saw, more than Isaiah saw. Because it's now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Be confident that you can know God's will for your life. You can have a relationship personally with God. But hand in hand with that, recognize that some who claim to be speaking words of truth are not. Our brothers and sisters 2,000 years ago in Berea examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Let's be noble like that. Let's be excellent. Let's be admirable. Let's be honorable like that. Just because somebody has a podcast doesn't mean they're telling the truth. Just because somebody has a blog doesn't mean that they're speaking words of truth. Just because somebody has a following doesn't mean I ought to be joining that following. Just because someone is a, has a dynamic way of communicating doesn't mean that they're worth listening to. Listen, just as surely as God is calling me to live with confidence that I can know His will for my life, He's also warning me all over the place that some are going to depart from the faith. You, you remember, those who speak words of faith, they're just servants. Your faith isn't in them. And if they begin taking step 
and step and step further and further away from the faith, if they can't show you in Scripture, if you can't examine the Scripture and see, okay, I see exactly where he got that. Listen, people for thousands of years have departed from the faith because they followed the lead of someone who was themselves. Departing from the faith. John, in 1 John 4 and verse 1, don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits. Be like those in Berea. Examine the scriptures to see whether or not what you are being told is true. 1 Timothy 4 verse 6, Timothy, if you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Timothy, there's a, a body of teaching. Follow that teaching. Share that teaching. And as people allow that to, to fall on a good and an eager heart, you will lead them in the right direction. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. No, you be more noble than that. You be excellent. You be admirable. Train yourself for godliness. Go with me quickly to the book of Acts chapter 18. You want to be like the Bereans? Test teaching that surprises, disrupts, challenges your understanding. Test that against the Scriptures. Before you simply discard it. There had to be plenty of people in Berea who were hearing for the very first time exactly the sort of thing that Apollos in the next chapter was hearing. Acts chapter 18 and verse 24. A Jew named Apollos, someone who would have been well acquainted with going into Jewish synagogues. He's a native of Alexandria. He comes to Ephesus. He's an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He doesn't know the whole story, and he, he, he begins speaking boldly in the synagogue, but here's a husband and a wife who hear him. They take him aside. They explain to him the way of God more accurately. And now Apollos has a, a choice to make. Am I going to test what has surprised and disrupted and challenged my understanding before I just discard it? Apollos is a noble Man, he gets more of the story. He learns more of God's will. And he goes on to be a great help to those who through grace had believed. He grows to the point he's powerfully able to refute the Jews in public, showing, notice this, by the scriptures, that the Christ was Jesus. There had to have been people in Berea who had never heard this. You mean to tell me the Lord's anointed one has come and he was crucified? And he was buried? And he came out of the grave? I, I'm not sure I can believe that. What made them noble? They tested before they discarded it. They were humble enough 
to take God at His word. That's what we're after. James chapter 1, verse 21. Filthiness. Get that out of your heart. Rampant wickedness. Don't allow those, those thorns to continue to fester in your heart. No, receive with meekness. This word that is planted in heart after heart, a word that is able to save your soul. What we're really saying, give the scriptures the final say as the revealed will of the ultimate authority. There are going to be times that God's word cuts me. The way that I would hope a surgeon is willing to cut me when I need to be cut physically. The way that a, a parent or a teacher or a spouse, a brother or sister is willing to, to cut me when I'm, I'm headed in the wrong direction. What a blessing to have the living and active Word of God that is able to pierce to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his side. All are naked and exposed, listen to this, to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. How do you want to be remembered? There in Acts 17, there were really two, two camps. Those who eagerly received what they were being told, examining the scriptures to see what the, they were being told, whether it was so. And there were some, notice loose language in verse 13, who when they learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they went agitating Stirring up the crowd. Do you see anything amiss there? <laughs> they learned that the word of God was being preached in Berea. We've got to do whatever we've got to do to stop that. That's how real life men and women who lived 2,000 years ago are remembered. In Acts 17. I don't know about you, but I... I don't want to be remembered like that. I, I see what you're saying. I see it there in the scriptures. I just, no, not for me. No, I, I want a heart that realizes this is the word of God. It's the final say of the ultimate authority. I want to meekly receive it because where else am I going to go? These are the words of life. Maybe it cuts me, and it cuts me bad, and it really hurts. But I want to know, what do I have to do to be right with God? What, what do I have to do in order to go to heaven? We read earlier from... Acts 17, early on in Thessalonica, just a little to the east of Berea, that 
the Apostle Paul, as he goes in, he, he proclaims that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer. There are some things that I've been told in my life are necessary that I've just decided to try and avoid. Don't think about it. Maybe it won't bother me later on. It's not a way to handle things that are necessary. I want you to think about the the power of that word, that it was necessary for God's Son to suffer. Would you come face to face with me this evening with the the, the fact that it was necessary for God's son to suffer because of what I've done and because of what you've done. But praise God that he was willing to do what was necessary so that I would have the opportunity to learn like a Berean and be cut where I need to be cut but to be invited to follow Jesus. And so we're going to stand in just a moment and we're going to sing this song. Who will follow Jesus? And we encourage you to be like those Bereans. How do you want to be remembered? These people in one word, they they were noble. They were excellent, admirable, worthy of imitation. Not because of their family tree, not because of their pedigree, what they what house they lived in because they received the word of God. And as you've received God's word this evening, as we stand and sing this song, if you realize there's something I need to do in order to follow Jesus, would you respond like a Berean this evening? If you've heard enough to know that It's time for you to confess your faith that Jesus is the Son of God. You're ready to turn away from your sins. You're ready to be buried with Christ in baptism. We can do that right here, right now. You can leave like a Berean this evening. Maybe you could just use some prayers. How amazing that for 2,000 years, brothers and sisters have gathered together in assemblies like this to be able to have opportunities like this. If we can help you this evening in you following Jesus, would you let us know how we can help by coming to the front while we stand and sing together?